2: Ladies and gentlemen, back with another episode of the Bow Down Podcast. Our next guest was a Husky from 2002 to 2006 and hails from right here in Seattle, Washington, where he attended Garfield High School and was a three-sport star athlete in football, baseball, and basketball, a four-star football recruit and the number one player out of the state of Washington. He was the number seven-ranked player as a dual-threat quarterback In the nation, in the same recruiting class as Vince Young, Marcus Vick, and Heisman Trophy winner Troy Smith. Deciding to stay home and play football at UW, he played a little wide receiver and kick returner, but mostly quarterback, where in his career he threw for over 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, and ran for 800 yards and 11 more touchdowns. He was named captain and the Washington Offensive Team MVP. In 2006, selected in the fourth round of the 2007 NFL Draft as a wide receiver by the Dallas Cowboys, spent his professional playing days with the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the New York Football Giants, as well as the Jaguars. He was a part of that 2011 Super Bowl-winning New York Football Giants squad. Today, he's an Emmy Award-winning sports analyst and does work with the Cowboys, as well as CBS News Texas, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to welcome Washington Husky legend and great Isaiah Stanbeck to the Bow Down Podcast. Isaiah, thank you for joining us today. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm good, man. How y'all fellas doing?
2: We're doing, we're doing. You know, <laughs> be better after last
1: night. Oh
0: man, and, I, I know. I just I just drove back up to Dallas to this morning.
2: Yeah, it was it was rough. Um, obviously. You, it Seems like you were in the area. You got to witness the game. Check it out. What are your thoughts on the team? Obviously, we know Michigan 15 and 0 was no joke. They deserve all the credit, all the kudos for winning the national championship. But thought on the season that Coach DeBoer and these Huskies had at 14 and
0: 1. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's an amazing season. No knock on the season whatsoever. Uh, these guys did things that other you know Huskies teams really haven't done, um, and they did it at a level uh, with so much more competition. Um, than any other team has really faced as well, you know, consistently throughout the season. So these guys proved a lot throughout this year, obviously going undefeated all the way up into the national championship game. Uh, they just did not show up uh, in, in their entirety in this particular game. And it's unfortunate that if you were going to have a letdown, that's the one day that you don't want to have a letdown. Um, you know, and they just they just weren't hitting on all cylinders. Uh, execution wasn't there. Missed assignments, you know, penalties. Whole, you know, they're hurting themselves throughout the whole game and Michigan continued to leave the window open for them. You know, I was, I was sitting there, I had the pleasure of sitting there not only just with my son, but I was sitting next to Warren Moon too, which was obviously huge for me um, from our, our preexisting history and what he means to me and my family. But the, both of us are just sitting there talking through the game. I don't think you can have two quarterbacks sitting in the same area during <laughs> a football game of that magnitude and not just really just talk ball throughout the whole thing and talk strategy. And there was just a lot of missed opportunities uh, to the point now where like I can't, you know, everybody's talking mess about, you know, Michigan beating up on Washington and all this stuff. I'm like, you know what? Our boys had a chance. And unfortunately, it wasn't like they just got beat down. These guys just did not execute and they didn't take advantage of the opportunities that were presented to them. And uh, ultimately, that's something that they're going to have to look themselves in the mirror and look in the mirror and see themselves for the rest of their lives because they definitely missed out on a great opportunity.
2: Yeah, overall for the season 14-1, and one, Pac-12 champs, Sugar Bowl champs, yep. very successful overall at the end of year two for Coach Kalen DeBoer. What are your thoughts on the direction of the program, and do your thoughts change with them now transitioning with the end of the Pac-12 and joining the Big Ten?
0: Well, first of all, shout out to you, Doug, for winning the last year of the Pac-12. Absolutely love that. Uh, it's still taking I'm, I was just getting used to saying Pac-12, by the way. I don't like it, but <laughs> – Uh, I guess they probably said the same thing about when I was in the Pac-10, but uh, yeah, you know, obviously they're going to be having new beginnings and it's a little uh, worrisome going forward because you sit back and you watch the recruiting and you see where guys are landing. You notice kind of this this new fad of less opportunities for high school players and more opportunities for guys who are already in the system. The dynamic is weird. So now you're really so dependent on transfer and a transfer portal and you're seeing all these guys go to other schools. And it's like, crap, we're not getting the high high class recruits. We're not even getting the transfer uh, guys. Where is this program going to be going forward when there's so many key elements that are going to be leaving, obviously, for the draft or just simply just, you know, know, obviously timing out. So it's a little worrisome when you look at it from that regard. Not really sure where the leadership's going to come from as some of these highly touted positions, quarterback, receiver, office line. I mean, you're about to be missing a lot of very important parts. And obviously, you're, there's always going to be that next man up a mentality where you're expecting one of these younger guys to really step into the fold. But you like to make sure that you have some solid guys that are coming in as well, that you can kind of keep this train moving. You don't want Coach DeBoer to go boom, boom, you know, two years consecutively, and then all of a sudden have to try to find a form of a rebuild. So um, I'm hoping that they can kind of draw some more interest and get some more guys to transfer in um, and and keep this thing rolling.
1: Now, speaking of the recruits, you yourself being the number one player out of Washington, and now Washington got the commitment yesterday before the game from linebacker Zadrius Rainey Sale, number one player also in the state of Washington of the 2025 class. Now, you growing up in in the Seattle area, you being from the state of Washington, was the University of Washington always your number one choice when you could really have gone anywhere in the Pac-12 yourself? And what is so special about the University of Washington that makes it so appealing to these recruits and could make it so appealing to have all these transfer portal players come in? No, that's a
0: great question. Uh, To be honest with you, man, No, and The answer is no. UW was not always at the top of my list. I was not a football guy. I mean, prior to me, I was a baseball guy. You know, that was that was my thing. I turned down, you know, the first round. Actually, I turned down the Mariners, which is crazy. I turned down a Mariners first round pick out of um, out of high school. And that was very difficult for me because I had already committed to University of Washington. But prior to making my commitment to University of Washington, I had only played, you know, three years of football. So um, football was still relatively new for me at that point that I had to make some real life uh, changing decisions. But I always envisioned myself going to an Arizona, um, Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, and really, when it came down to it, Arizona never offered me. That's why I ensured that every time I played them, I beat the crap out of them. <laughs> and then Arizona State, um, I had a great visit. But my there was something that went down on my visit that led me to not decide to go there. Um, They actually wanted me to come in during the first year of Dirk Cutter and come in as a starting quarterback. Uh, But it just didn't work out that way. And then USC recruited me harder than absolutely anybody. um, But I didn't trust their coaching staff. So there was a lot of my mom. We had a visit. My mom had to end up cursing out Coach Carroll. That was a whole thing. But um, (laughs) it just worked out that UW ended up being right there. I did not want to stay home. I was a guy who grew up in the hood and I wanted to get out of the hood and I wanted to see the, you know, see the country and get to better weather and all that jazz. But you know, God had different plans for me, and uh, I learned a lot through my time at the University of Washington. It wasn't easy, obviously. was there during some some dark times and had to go through a lot of difficult situations, trying to remain in my position, and, you know, I, I became a lot better person because of it.
2: Uh, Isaiah, no disrespect to any of your teammates or players you played with while at UW, yeah. but what would a prime Isaiah Stanbeck look like at quarterback with this trio of Roma Dunze Jalen McMillan, and Jalen Polk, not to mention this award-winning offensive line. What kind of numbers do you put up with this 2024 Huskies team?
0: I mean, I have no idea. Uh, I know <laughs> these guys are some some dudes. You know, I, I definitely love my guys I ro- I rocked with, um, but I feel like things just continue to improve every generation, man. Yeah, I've seen almost every couple of years there's a new form of athlete. Guys are bigger, faster, stronger. You know, systems are more elaborate, you know, more resources, more tools to study with game plans are, are you know are, are through and through it's just it's crazy to see the evolution of the game uh, both physically and mentally and preparation wise and obviously these guys had one heck of a year uh, they received all the accolades you know X somehow some way was back up heisman you know candidate obviously he didn't win the pack 12 player of the year i don't understand that um you know he lost to a 47 year old so uh <laughs> So you got that going, you know. You had the best offensive line in the country. You had the best coach in the country. These guys had so much going for them, um, and they ach- they achieved so much. And these guys will always, always remember uh, this year. They'll remember these, you know, these times, you know, this experience, man. And I'm just had to, I'm glad that these guys will have that for the rest of their life.
2: Are you taking Are you taking the reins from Penix and lining up under the under the center, or are you lining up in the slot as oh. like a go? Back
0: and like, yeah, university. no, Phoenix, he, he' gonna have to see me <laughs> competition wise now. Yeah, now he can he can sling it, he could definitely sling it, but I'm, I'm gonna give him a run for his money. <laughs>
2: now,
1: now, last last week we put Corey Dillon uh, on the spot a little nice. bit and to rank the top running backs that ever played for the University of Washington. Woo. We're gonna do the same to you now. Who would be in your top five Washington Husky quarterbacks ever? And if you
2: can't come up with five, you could do three.
0: Top and don't
2: feel too proud to put yourself in it. We're good with everybody putting themselves in their top lists. Corey, nah. Corey Dillon put himself at three.
0: Yeah, CD's a beast. I mean, CD, I mean, they got CD, Napoleon. I mean, you have some, you have some dogs now. Hers, all of them guys were nice. Um, let's rock with, I definitely got Warm Moon in there. Absolutely Warm Moon. Guys that had a big impact on me. I had to put Cody Pickett in there. Cody was an absolute beast, man. Um, and does not get enough respect. People forget that he was up for the Heisman as well during his time there. Um, and then at number three, I, I guess I have to put Penix at number three, man. Um I mean, what he's done, the stat line that he the stats that he's been able to put up. Obviously, the system allows for him to have those crazy numbers, but you know, I think he's improved his game. The things that he's overcome, the adversity that he's faced. How he's reinvented himself, the leadership—you know, principally—you know, the leadership that he's a—you a, know—exuded. How these guys follow him. I, I love everything about it, man. So I'll, I'll put those guys in the top three, and then um, the next two, I'm not really sure. I'll, I'll I'll roll myself up in there somehow, some way, just just based off ability. But there's a lot of other guys who showed more, uh, obviously, in the stat line.
2: Uh, Isaiah, we've seen the versatility you've had in your career transitioning from position to position, from school to from high school to college, college to the NFL. You got that Super Bowl ring. Now you're one of you went from football player now to analyst. How has making these transitions to now the off the field career worked for you? And what can we expect next from Isaiah Stanback?
0: Yeah, the transitions are crazy. Uh, It's one of those things where you just got to put your head down and 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 roll the dice sometimes, and just kind of bet on yourself and take some of those same things that made you you know great as a player and bring those same characteristics and qualities to off the field. Um, you know, hard work, determination, discipline. You know, humbleness, all those things, so that you can learn a new craft and how I've kind of transitioned straight from the league straight into you know entrepreneurship. I've been running a business for ten years, and then I was like, okay, while well, I have that going on, what's next? You know, so. You know, my wife got tired of me sitting there telling her everything that's happening in the football game before the analysts on TV said it. So I finally said, okay, screw it. Let me go see what that looks like. And four years later, I go from working on a podcast with the Dallas Cowboys to now running, through, or not running, but being on seven different platforms for the Dallas Cowboys network, um, seven different shows for them, including pregame, postgame, and then color commentary during the preseason. I uh, picked up CBS, working with iHeartRadio, did some Valley Sports. I've um, been working on a couple other opportunities, uh, hopefully for this next coming year, as I try to graduate up to national national TV. Um, that's, that's been my journey, man. And it's just, it just, it's hard work. It's hard work. It's opportunities. It's networking. It's being humble enough to get coaching and, and, and realize that you're at the bottom of the barrel and being willing to work your way up.
1: Now, last question before we let you go, no. uh, my family and I, not only are we die-hard Washington Husky fans, we are die-hard Dallas Cowboy fans. <laughs> I absolutely loved it when they drafted you. I'm pretty sure I have every single one of your rookie cards in a nice, still in the closet. But I would be doing my entire family a disservice if I didn't ask you, somebody behind the scenes that covers them often, what can we expect from the Cowboys in the playoffs this year?
0: Yeah, it's funny you asked me that because right before I hopped on here, I was actually that's what I'm running back to. I gotta go back and start continue my studying of Green Bay Packers in preparation for this week's game. Um, I think that they they have the best path they could have possibly laid out for themselves, outside of having the first seed, obviously. Um, these guys have Green Bay. I think Green Bay is obviously a respectable team, they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're at the at the level of the Dallas Cowboys. Now the Dallas Cowboys still have to show up and they still gotta execute and all those things but uh, they should not have any issues with Green Bay and then you know if, if they get past that first round against Green Bay at home where they're 8-0 this year and where they're 15-0 over the past 2 years you know then they get another home game and that's huge and if you're able to get past those first two rounds then obviously you're halfway halfway there you know you need to you need 2 out of the 3 games that you need to get to the show are at your house right and with their record that they've had at home for whatever reasons they play better at home. I can't put my finger on it. It is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to speculate, but the facts are they play better at the crib. And if they take care of business in the first round, they get the second round. Then there's two out of those three games, man. They have to, they have to play. They get, they have the opportunity to play at the house. And if something crazy happens, if something crazy happens with San Francisco, then you get all three games at the house. I'm hoping. Yeah. So, uh, um, Feels I think, I think they have a great opportunity. You know, I, I think they really do have a great opportunity. And I think that the competition that they face, how their schedule was laid out as t- as difficult as it was towards the end of the year. I think that has prepared them for this run um, because now those types of games, those types of decisions that coaches have to make that, that heightened sense of awareness, decision-making and, and stress and all that stuff. They're, they're now used to that. They're conditioned for that. They don't have to look and say, Hey, back in week eight, you know, we, no, it's hey. these last four weeks we've had have been crazy. So now we just got to continue that going through the playoffs. Yep.
2: Finally, Isaiah, we want to share all this information with our listeners and viewers. Where can everyone follow you and find you and keep up with you? Anything you want to plug is your opportunity to uh, let the, the the Washington Huskies fanatics who follow the <laughs> podcast, let them know what you got going on.
0: Yeah, man, I'm pretty active just on IG, to be honest with you. I know everybody's on X and all that. I'm there, but I'm not really there. So find me on uh, on IG at iStandBack, and you guys can definitely engage with me. I hit people back. Obviously, you guys know. Um, y'all reach out. I'll say what's up. Uh, but definitely try to continue to follow my journey, and I'll continue to share it with y'all. I appreciate the support.
2: Awesome. Isaiah, it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on the Bow Down podcast Truly appreciate it, my friend. Thank you very, very much.
0: Still dubs up, baby. Appreciate y'all.